laying down the foundation on which we're going to build over the next nine or ten weeks. And uh, so I, I always struggle with the first one because it is just intro. And I'm like, okay, nobody's going to be interested in any of this uh, until we get going. But I think you will find that it will uh, probably something you have never studied because it's something I haven't studied since my college days. And it was in a course that I had to take. Um, didn't want to take it. Was glad when it was over. Uh, I'm just really building this up for a great night, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but what? <laughs> it's going to be like this every week. Uh, <laughs> but it is very important, and I think you will find it interesting. You may even find yourself reading Scripture in a little different way uh, than what you've read it in the past, as we talk about. Uh, these commands and the basis for what is a command. So let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we will jump in. Father, we are thankful that you are a God, that you love us, care for us, you know what is best for us, and that your commands are not burdensome, but you've given them to us to strengthen us, to guide us, uh, that we might become uh, like Christ. Uh, Father, that it is your commands are all part of the discipline process, and so we just thank you for them. And uh, Lord, teach us tonight. Uh, how to better uh, obey you, how we might, uh, might understand you better, and in so doing, be able to serve you better. And we just pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Let me tell you just a little bit about how we got to tonight and why we're doing the commands of Christ. Uh, as we've been talking about the, the disciplines uh, and in preparation for the, the vision uh, sermons that Denny and I uh, have been doing. Uh, it just hit me again, this, this, uh, the Great Commission. And I've got it written for you there in your notes, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And a lot of us maybe have memorized that at some point. And, uh, we understand this verse in a missions context that we are, uh, that the command is to what? Nope. Make disciples. That's the command. The command is make disciples. Um, how do we make disciples? As you are going, make disciples. Uh, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And usually that's what we do. We say, go, baptize, teach. And we end it with that. And as I was, was looking for uh, and praying through, Lord, what should, I, what should we do on Sunday nights? Where do we want us to go? How can we build on this vision, this mission that we're talking about on Sunday mornings? How can we build and kind of expand on that a little bit? Um, out of the blue, and okay, never out of the blue, uh, this book came across my computer screen. I don't even know how I found it, where I found it. Um, but it popped in as uh, one to read. It is by Tom Blackaby, which is the son of Henry Blackaby. Um, so you can pretty, pretty well know that if it's got a Blackaby name on it, it's going to be good stuff. So I went, okay, I'll pursue that a little farther. And it's entitled, The Commands of Christ, What It Really Means to Follow Jesus. So I was not creative in what we entitled tonight uh, or this whole series. I just swiped it right off the cover of this book. Um, and as I began to read, as I got the book and began to read it, it really didn't zero in on the make disciples. It doesn't zero in on the go, baptize, or teach. Because it says what we oftentimes forget is that we are to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so the question is, what has he commanded us? Because that's the thing we're supposed to be about. And we a lot of times take the whole teaching aspect of saying, well, we need to provide opportunities. We need to teach. We need to have Sunday night. We need to have Sunday school. We need to have small groups. And yes, we do. But what are we doing in them? What, what is it that we're teaching? What, what is it that, that a person really needs? And so this really is a, is a call to teach the commands of Christ. And so I thought, okay, how great is that? So we are kind of outlined uh, based on this book. There's a copy of this book in the library if you want it. I think it's like 10 bucks, 12 bucks, something like that on Amazon if you want to get your own. Um, we're going to just kind of jump through that book, uh, not following it through because there's far more commands in there than what we can really cover um, on Sunday nights. But let me tell you a little bit about where we are going. 
Tonight is just because he said so. We're going to look at what a, what a command is and why we are to follow it. Next week, we are going to go with the command come. Uh, all these are basically one or two word commands that we're going to look at. Next week is come. We're going to do follow, think, love, forgive, fear not, and pray. And those are the things that Jesus has commanded us. And we're going to look at various scriptures throughout those that, that fall into those categories of what it means to come, follow, think, love, forgive, fear not, and pray. Um, so the, the, the other key in this is teaching them to obey. And that word obey means to attend to carefully, to take care of. So we are to attend to carefully the commands of Christ, that we are to take care of the commands of Christ. And if we're going to do that, then we need to know the commands of Christ. Somebody give me a command of Christ. Love one another. We got one week down. We need about nine more. <laughs> See, that's it. Uh, Blackaby even says in his book that he asked that question to a room full of pastors and got a couple more responses than that, but that was it. That we don't really know. If we say, what, are the, what has Christ commanded us to do? We really struggle with that. We really struggle with thinking what it is. Both, because a lot of the, yeah, the pray without ceasing. Uh, a lot of the epistles are taking Jesus's commands and expanding on them, uh, what they have learned, what they have seen uh, in that. So, uh, but we do sometimes, and we, we struggle with coming up with commands. Glenn. Pick up your cross daily, deny yourself and follow me. Um, we're going to talk about that when it talks about what does it mean to follow? What is take up my, you know, take my yoke? Follow me, deny yourself, be perfect. Uh, those are some of the commands that we're gonna that we're gonna be gonna be looking at. Well, let's look quickly at what the importance of God's commands for the believer are. Why this is such an important topic? Uh, I just listed several scriptures. Uh, Matthew says, "Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great." in the kingdom of heaven. I want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be least in the... And so practice and teach them these commands uh, that, that Jesus is giving. John chapter 14, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. This comes as, as Jesus is announcing that he is leaving and that the Holy Spirit is coming. Uh, the, the John 14 is really 14, 15, 16 is, remember when we did the lessons on the Holy Spirit? This, these are the key chapters of Jesus' teaching on the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you, he says, if you love me, he is the one who loves me, the one who has my commands and obeys them. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And so the importance of obeying and, and the power in which we obey, the ability that we have to obey comes through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, this is how you're going to show that you love me, is that you will obey me. Uh, and it's not that we earn our salvation through the obedience. It's that the obedience is a sign of our salvation. That's important to get that, that right, because sometimes we downplay the doing. Um, but the doing is very important for the believer. Doing doesn't have any effect on the unbeliever. You can do all you want, and it's not going to help you any. Okay? Because it is by grace we are saved and, and the grace that we accept uh, his, his grace and his mercy, that is by which we are saved. And then out of that, out of because we are saved, I obey. That's the work comes after, not before. Um, where Paul says, continue to work out your salvation, not work for your salvation. Uh, and so it's very important to understand uh, the order in which the obedience must come. Uh, John chapter 15, <clears throat> as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Anybody know the context of these verses? What, what, where's that? 
what's the story of that? It's John chapter 15, but what comes before and after? Jesus is teaching, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the branches are to remain in me. And part of that remaining is being obedient to the vine, staying connected to the vine. And so our obedience is really following after the commands is really an act of remaining in him, of staying connected to him uh, in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Okay, we're going to look at this because the, the Jews were commanded to undergo circumcision. That was a command uh, that they were circumcised every male, eight days old, you know, and, and all of that. There was a whole ritual that went along with it. But now we're, we're here saying that circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing. So something has changed. Something has changed that command to where now it doesn't mean anything. We're going to look tonight at kind of how can we distinguish uh, between the two. First John chapter 2, and if you want to understand commands, obedience, uh, the, the book of First John, that letter, that epistle that John wrote uh, is, a, is a good one to read because it comes up often uh, throughout his, his writings. First John chapter 2, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. What does this tell us? What, what is he saying right there? Yeah, you can't just talk the talk. You've got to walk the walk. It's, it's the obedience of the commands is more important than what you say you know. Uh, I don't care what you know. I care how you live. And if, if, our, if our living is not measuring up to our talking, you know, you might be able to answer all the questions. We might be able to give you a theological test and you pass with flying colors. But if you're not living it, 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 it is of no difference. It is of no matter um, that we have to know and obey. First John 5, this is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he, he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. His commands are not burdensome. What does that mean? Right, he's not going to put anything on you that he's not going to provide the way for you to do it. It's not a burden to follow the commands of Jesus. But we a lot of times think it is. And that's just our sin nature battling with the divine nature. That's our sin nature battling with the Holy Spirit within us. That we think it is difficult to do those things, and it's not. Jesus says, I'm going to do them through you. Uh, I'm going to help you do them. I'm going to give you the power to do them. Uh, and so his commands are not burdensome. Now this bears the question then, what has Jesus commanded us? We see that the commands are important. We need to know them. We need to obey them. Um, the two have to go together, know and obey. You can't obey what you don't know. Um, and so we, and ignorance is no excuse uh, because Jesus has given us everything we need for godliness, to live a godly life. And so the commands are there. Uh, the discipline is there. The Holy Spirit is there. God has really set us up to win. I mean, to be victorious. He says, I'm, I'm giving you everything you need throughout these commands, the Holy Spirit, the power to fulfill them, to live them out. So the, the question is, what has Jesus commanded us? Now, as we go and read through scriptures, we read through specifically the gospels uh, and the, the words of Jesus we can see that there are commands, but there are also other things. There are other sayings. And we need to be able to distinguish between the two. Because some things aren't necessarily commands as just teachings. And we've got, so I've got some of these outlined for you. First one is there are just general observations. Okay, these things are good to know, but they're not commands. Okay, they're just general rules of thumbs. They're, they're, there's truth. They are, they are truths. This is just the way it is. Luke chapter 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? The, this is just a truth. God's saying this is the way it's going to, this is the way it works. 
You know, where your treasure is, I know where your heart is based on where your treasure is. That's just a, a general observation. And we can use that in our own life uh, as a guide, as a principle, but it's not necessarily a command in any way. Luke chapter 16, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh, again, it's a general observation. Good teaching, something to be aware of, um, but there's no command in that. Uh, and so throughout scripture, there are a lot of times that it's just general observations. It's just truth that, that we can use as a guide in our life, but they're not commands necessarily to obey. Uh, number two, we have warnings. Uh, again, this is truth that we should be aware of. These are actions with dangerous consequences. Luke chapter 12, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Again, this is just the way it is. Now, you might take the command out of there as don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit, but that, that's not really what he's saying. And blaspheme is really just denying the Holy Spirit's power, um, denying the existence of uh, with that. And so some people are, you know, oh, I hope I don't. You won't. If you're striving toward following God, this isn't going to be an issue for you. Um, it's really the one who is after God and then completely turns and says, no, all of that is just so wrong. Holy Spirit doesn't exist. God doesn't exist when they've had the truth laid before them. Uh, and they've accepted those truth claims and then turned from them and said, none of that is true. That's the person who has to worry about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. The person who is trying hard, who is moving, who is growing uh, in what they know and, and working to obey, uh, I don't know that you have to worry about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. It's not something you accidentally do. It is a conscious choice to deny uh, the Spirit. Number three, we have conversations. <clears throat> this is just gen uh, Jesus interacting with other people. Uh, sometimes there are truths and principles to be gained from his conversations, uh, but we can't always take commands uh, out of those conversations. A good example is the woman at the well. Um, you know, when Jesus is, is teaching on, on worship and, and interacting with her. Those are just conversations that he's having. Um, learning from them, but not necessarily commands in them. Uh, the woman called in adultery uh, is also another prime example of, of a good, uh, just as a conversation that Jesus is having. Um, doesn't necessarily contain commands in those conversations. And so we got to put the words of Jesus in the right categories to understand what those commands are. Number four is we have teacher, teachings. This is where Jesus gives insight into the way things are. He, he's speaking into the life of people, speaking into reality and truth. Uh, John chapter 14, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, that is just a general truth. That's a teaching uh, that he has. Uh, again, good to follow, but there's no command in that. Uh, and then we have the commands. These are things that, that require action on the part of the listener. Uh, a lot of the, uh, the others that we've talked about, the general observations, the warnings, the conversations, the teachings, they don't require, they might require faith, they might require uh, recognition of it being true. Uh, it might be a principle that we put into our life, but it doesn't require action. Commands require action, and that's going to be the difference between uh, the commands and all of the other categories. That commands will require action. We must do something because of what Jesus said. And so that's why it's so important too that if we know them, we better make sure that these things are in our life, that we are doing them uh, in that. Matthew chapter six, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Okay, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's a command. We better make sure we're doing that. We better make sure that we understand what it means to seek God's kingdom, to seek his righteousness, um, to look for it, to, to uh, acknowledge it in our life. Luke chapter 6, give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. That's not so easy. I get the seek ye first the kingdom of God thing, but give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. That's a command. 
And there's a principle behind that command, but that, that, that is the command. If someone asks and we are able to give, we give. If someone takes, we're not to demand back. Trust that God will provide for you. Okay, that one's a little tougher to say, yes, I, I have that in my, in my life. When my car got broken into and they stole not a whole lot, it probably totaled about 150 bucks total. Uh, you don't get a lot if you steal out of my car, I'm just telling you. They left my golf clubs. That would have been the thing that would have been <laughs> worth something. The, those are in there. But the, uh, the steamer mop in the back and the uh, GPS really wasn't worth all that, lot, that much. Um, but my initial reaction was catch them, fry them. <laughs> I want to persecute them to the full extent of the law. I want to see, I want that. Well, no, that, that's really not. It, it's the, my, my response should not have been demand it back, but that person needs help. They, they obviously are in a spot in their life where this is their, their best alternative. How can I help them? You know, better yet, they probably don't know Christ. I'm going to go on the assumption that they don't. How can I lead that person? You know, those are the thoughts that need to be going through our mind as we obey the commands of Christ. Instead of, I want it back. I want it back now. I want them to pay. Um, you know, revenge is what we normally, normally want. So we have to be aware of those commands when it is a command uh, and when it's just a teaching and a, and a general truth. Now, the, the hard part about commands in the scripture and the hard part really about scripture is the, the whole fact that there are so many different Greek words and we'll, have, we'll throw one English word on it or we'll throw several different words on it. And so it's tough to really get the true meaning of what is being said. I, I went to my Greek resources and just looked up the word command and there are seven different Greek words for command. I've given those to you. Uh, diatasso means to set in order, to appoint or to command. This is actually the, the word that commandment is the noun form of this verb to command. So command and commandment. These, this is the main word that shows up in scripture. Luke chapter 8, her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus commanded them to give her something to eat. We've, we've also, we've, we've many times throughout scripture as we look at these verses, we've lessened the word. He told them. That sounds like a suggestion. You know, she might be hungry. Why don't you give her something to eat? No, he commanded him to give her something to eat. Not just told him. And, and none of God's commands are suggestions. You know, we don't get to choose, do I, don't I? Uh, it, it's, it's there. It, it is set in order. It's appointed. This is the way it should be. Um, the second one, epo. Uh, this is to speak and may be rendered as a command. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of man, command these stones to become bread. Uh, again, we've tell, told, mention, say it. No. The devil was understanding when he came to tempt Jesus that anything you command will happen. So there was a certain amount of authority behind the word that, Jesus, that Satan was telling Jesus to do. Command that stone to become bread. Intello. This means to charge with. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command. This is my command. Love each other. Uh, that, that word intello is used there. Uh, again, now that one we actually did uh, translate command. Epitasso, to put in charge or to give orders. Uh, Mark chapter 1, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders. He even commands evil spirits, and they obey him. They'd never seen that before. They'd never seen a person that could command, that spoke with such authority. <clears throat> so we have to understand that these commands come with authority behind them. You know, I can command, uh, I'm trying to think of a good, good illustration. Uh, you know, I can, I can walk into a situation. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a like coaching. Uh, you know, I help with it and I help. I don't command anything in coaching. Let me just, I'll get that straight up. 
um, except with my sixth graders. Uh, then those I can command. Uh, but if I walk into a team that I don't have anything to do with, and they don't know me, and I walk in and I start shouting orders, are they going to follow? No, because I haven't put. There's no authority behind what I'm saying, and so those commands just come off as hot air. Jesus, when he speaks, when he gives commands, there is authority behind it. There, there is a, an order behind it. And, and even the, devils un, the devil understood that. The evil spirits understand that. When, when he says something, they move. Okay? And they don't even like to follow him. They, they'll deny him. They'll work against him. They'll do everything they can. But if he ever commands one of them or tells them something, they do it immediately. Uh, and so we too are to take those commands that way as, as a charge from God because of the authority that is placed behind it. Number five means to urge. It's stronger than, than epitasso. There is a certain amount of authority. This is even, even beyond the authority in giving the orders. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. Okay, this, this, this went beyond the command. He ordered it like right now. This isn't a think about it. This is a do it right now. Uh, when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you, Lord? I want to see, he replied. Um, and so Jesus stopped and ordered that man. And I'm guessing that whoever was with him immediately jumped to bring the man to him uh, because Jesus had, had done more than asked. It wasn't a, a not that he said it in a, in a mean way, but it was more than asked nicely. It wasn't a would you, it wasn't a please, it was a bring him to me. And they understood it to be uh, that command, that order with the authority. Uh, number six means to pass on an announcement, to give the order, to give instructions. Uh, these were his instructions or these were his commands. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. And this is when Jesus was sending them out two by two. And uh, uh, was giving them the commands, giving them the instructions. And they saw it as, as orders, as this is the way you need to do it. Okay, there's not, Take nothing with you. Well, I'm going to be hungry, so I think I will slide a little something in. No. Jesus said, take nothing with you. That was his command. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't that this is the best way to, no, this is how you need to do it. Um, and, they, and they understood that. Um, number seven, prostaso, to arrange or set in order. It's very closely related to number four. Um, just has a different uh, prefix on it. Uh, to prescribe or command. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Um, and so a lot of different words, and, and we can read them differently. We can read, tell, we can read, ask. Command, we don't have a problem with. We understand the authority of that. But when Jesus told, there was authority behind it. That was a command. Uh, he never asks us, please, to do something. He commands us. There are, there are commands in there. Um, now, there's a problem that exists when we start talking about commands. Because some of these we've read, and they, you've probably read them and went, well, that doesn't apply to me. You know, take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Does that mean whenever I go on a journey, I'm to take, I can't pack the cooler? Um, no. Okay, so we have to understand there, there's two types of commands. There is the cultural command, and there is the universal command. And we've got to understand, we can't get them confused. Uh, two types of commands. The cultural commands, these types of commands only apply to the immediate hearers in their context. Okay, if the command is cultural, today we don't have to obey it. It's not a command directly to us. So when it says, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts, it was directed right straight to the, to the disciples, the ones he was sending out two by two. So if we go door-to-door evangelizing, if Jesus sends us out into our neighborhoods, into our workplace, you know, and you're going to be gone for a long period, pack a lunch, it's okay. Um, but we have to understand because sometimes we will take cultural and we will make it universal. And then we start to become legalistic. 
that this is the way it has to be done. Or we will take universal and we'll say, no, that doesn't apply to me. Usually that's because we don't want to do it. And so we say, well, that was cultural. That was just for them, not for us. Um, And so we have to be able to distinguish between the truth. So cultural, it only applies to the immediate hearers within their context. Universal, these types of commands are for all people in every cultural setting, all times, all places. These are the ones we need to know. We need to understand the universal commands. Was the command specific to the hearers or specific to all people? Look at Luke chapter 10. I got you four, four examples there. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Cultural, okay? Jesus had his reason for telling them that, but that doesn't apply to us. That was just to the ones, and again, this goes with the ones he was sending out. It's Luke's rendition of it or Luke's telling of it rather than Matthew's. John chapter 13, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. Cultural. Have you ever been part of a foot washing ceremony? I have. We were in a church, we attended a church that that was every communion. That's what they did. They combined feet washing into communion because Jesus had done it. They didn't teach it as you have to. It was optional. You could still take communion and not do the feet washing part. But they brought it all together, just again as the symbolic of what Jesus had done. Um, But some can say you have to do it that way. You you have to because they've taken this cultural command and made it universal, that it has to be part of it. 1 Corinthians, greet one another with a holy kiss. Cultural. Uh, They did that. We could say, greet one another with a warm handshake. That's much more our culture. Anybody know the difference between a holy kiss and an unholy kiss? About three seconds. (laughs) To think on that. Or who was kissing. (laughs) Or who you're kissing. Look at Luke 22. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why is that universal and the feet washing is cultural when they happened at the same time? One, because we do it. (laughs) So we say it's, you know. He also said, wash one another's feet. Okay. One, it was a, the foot washing is cultural because of the sandals, the dirty feet. It was customary for the, the servant to wash the, the, person's, the person's feet. Um, Bill brought up a, a key point, too, that the feet washing is only mentioned in one of, uh, one of the four Gospels, but they all talk about, I don't know that John, they, the others talk about the Last Supper. Um, does John mention the Last Supper? I think he does. But, but only one mentions the feet washing. So it probably was not a prominent part of the story. Um, and so, you know, those are some things. We're going to talk about some other guidelines that we can use to determine universe and culture. But that one's tricky because it's the exact same event. And part of the, what he commanded was cultural and part we can see as universal. Uh, that taking the Lord's Supper, communion, would be a universal command that we are to do that. It needs to be a part of our worship in some sort of regular way. Um, Now, some can take it to where it became an every week thing, whenever you meet. Uh, And, you know, I was in a church that we had communion every single Sunday. Uh, I was also then, I was in a church that we did it three or four times a year. In most Alliance churches, it's once a month, give or take. Uh, Some Alliance churches, it's the first Sunday of every month. Uh, and so the, the command is to do this in remembrance, but there's no command as to how often, when, and that sort of thing. Um, but to, the command is to do in remembrance. So how do we know the difference? And here's where we really get to the meat of, of tonight. This is something most of you have probably not studied uh, before. You're not going to have a, a the, the, big, the big word is hermeneutics. 
Um, that was the class. I had a hermeneutics class. Uh, it's just a fun word to say, hermeneutics. Um, and I had a professor that had a really distinct accent that would say hermeneutics. Um, and so we always tried to get him to say it as often as, he, as we could. Um, but how do we know the difference? How do we uh, break the commands down so that we know whether this is universal or cultural, um, so that we know that we are obeying uh, correctly? Let me give you, I think, seven, eight, eight different things that we, filters that we kind of run the commands through to make sure that they are universal. Um, Commands given before the fall are universal. Okay, if this is a command from Genesis 1 or 2, before the fall of man, it's universal because this is what God is saying to Adam and Eve in the perfect saying. This is the way things are supposed to be. Now, there's not too many commands in there, but any command that would refer to before the fall is universal. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, the command on marriage. Notice we're not commanded to marry. But for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Uh, that, that is a before the fall. And so they're, they're, that um, would be a universal truth um, within marriage. Genesis 2, uh, the subordination of women, but not their inferiority. Okay, this is the, the, just the, the way things are going to work. Uh, Genesis 2, 18 to 23. Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Uh, we see that the, the, the order of things is that she's the helper, um, but she's not inferior. There, there is a ranking, uh, a way in which things have to work. God has, has shown that before the fall, that this is the way it's to work. Man is the head the way Christ is the head of the church. Okay, it's reiterated again in the New Testament that this is the way it's supposed to work. But there's also an equality. Um, Genesis chapter 126 uh, says, let us make man in our own image. And he made them male and female, that there is an equality among men and women. And so any society that wants to make one greater than the other with more rights than the other, is wrong because it violates one of the commands of God that they are equal. Uh, one of the, the, the ways in which God has established that. So any command given before the fall, those are universal. Number two, commands set aside by later revelation is cultural. So if this is the way it was done, God revealed this is the way, circumcision is that way. Okay, circumcision was a sign that God gave Abraham, I, every male in your family and your household is to be circumcised. And the, when they turn eight days old, that's the day to do it. It's a ritual you follow through, and that's a sign that you are a follower of me. But in the New Testament, we have Paul's teaching that says circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing. Obeying the commands, that's what is important. Um, and so that has done away, we've done away with the whole, uh, a male must be circumcised. Um, now the debate is health reasons, not spiritual reason at all anymore. Um, and so we're not going to debate that at all because it's not a universal command of God that, that boys are to be circumcised. So if a later teaching or event nullifies the command, it becomes obsolete and we don't need to follow it. Um, all of Leviticus chapter 1 through 7, all of those feasts, all of the sacrifices, uh, the whole sacrificial system we learn in the New Testament that as soon as Jesus was sacrificed, all of that became null and void. That no longer do we have to off, offer a sin offering and a, I don't even remember off the top of my head what all the offerings are, um, because they, they're, they're null and void. They're, they're historical. They help us understand because all of them point to Christ, so they're good teaching, but 
Now Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, and the command is to obey and follow him, not to follow the sacrificial system uh, anymore, that that's been done away with uh, throughout Hebrews. Uh, Leviticus 1, uh, or Leviticus 11, 1 through 47, lays out a lot of dietary regulations that the Jews were to follow. Um, Colossians chapter 2 nullifies all of those. The, the revelation, the new, when Christ came, all of that was done away with. Um, and so you should go, go back and read Leviticus chapter 11. See how many of you live by those rules, by what you, by what you eat and, and how you eat. And then you can be thankful that Colossians chapter 2 nullified it all, um, that Taco Bell is on the diet um, because it wouldn't have been under the old regulations uh, in there. So commands sometimes are set aside by later revelation. So we have to understand, is this an old, that there's now new revelation to it? Uh, A lot of the Old Testament falls into that category. Um, Number three, commands limited by the immediate context are cultural. They are not universal. Matthew chapter six, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, I'm not allowed to pray in public because when I pray, I'm to go into my closet to where I am not seen. Is that the teaching? Is that the command? No. We have to put it into the context of understanding that, that the, what Jesus was teaching, that some were flamboyantly praying to be noticed. And he was saying, no, don't do that. You need to go, you know, you, you need to play that down so that people, you're not praying to be seen, you're praying to be heard. You're, you're praying to, to, to have that connection, that relationship with me. And so he's, he's contrasting the flamboyant public prayer with the do it in private because God sees what is done in private. God sees what is done humbly rather than boastfully. Yeah, and there is a personal prayer side to it. Um, but, but some would, oh, my lid went somewhere. Um, some would say that uh, you know, because of that, if that is a command to go into my closet, then I'm, I'm never to pray publicly. We should not pray publicly. Um, we understand that's not, that's, that's not a universal. That was a cultural within the context of that. Mark chapter 6. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Now, I know some will take the first part of that and say it's cultural and the last part of that and practice it as if it were universal. Knock the dust off their feet. I've heard people say that. Well, I'm just going to knock the dust off my feet. They're nothing to me anymore. No, love one another. Uh, you know, that, that and so we, we sometimes blend the two. We say, well, that first part, the staff, that's cultural. But I have every right to get mad and knock the dust off my feet because they won't listen to me. No, the command then is to love one another. Um, And so we have to understand universal versus cultural. This is what Jesus was telling them at that point. And his point in telling them to knock the dust off and move on was because we got a lot of ground to cover. If they're not going to listen, then move to the next person who will. And there is some principle in that. Uh, but we have taken it many times to say, forget them. I'm done with them. No, you don't have the authority to do that. God may not be done with them. And so we can't be done with them uh, because God may still very well be working in their life and in their heart. Uh, and so this here was a, a cultural command. First Corinthians chapter seven. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. This is just good advice. This is just Paul giving advice. He even says it's not a command from the Lord. Okay, this is just, if you want just a good rule of thumb, stay single. It's easier. Uh, And for some, it might be. For me, it wouldn't be. It would not be easier for me to be single. I know that. My wife knows that. Um, And... uh, I am, I'm too much of a, uh, a relation person that I could not go by myself. I just could not go through life uh, without that companion, without that helper. But again, that is Paul just giving it within the context 
uh, not universal, it's cultural. Number four, commands given in a definite universal setting are universal. How do we know, what are some signs of definite universal settings? Some words that he might use. All. If he says all, what does all mean? All means all. All means all, all the time. All, always, everyone. That those are, you can pretty much take that as a, as a universal uh, command when he says, uses the word all. Um, the Great Commission is that. You know, that we read at the very beginning, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He, he uses that all the time, even to the very end of the age. Now, the disciples, the 120 or so that he was talking to, were not going to be around at the very end of the age, and some of us may not be around at the very end of the age, so that command has to go beyond context in which it was given because of the words that he used. So look at the words. Look at how, how it is worded. Um, definite universal setting is always universal. Number five, commands connected to the central truth of the gospel are universal. Okay, truths that are not essential to the gospel are cultural. Okay, that's just the flip side. It's two different ways to say the same thing. Luke chapter 22, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay, that is universal. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. We, we can easily accept it as universal because that is central to the gospel, that, that symbolic remembrance of what Jesus has done. Okay, Jesus is giving us this command lest we forget what the cross stood for. And so he's saying, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me by doing this. And so he set that that out. It is central to the gospel. Mark chapter 6, calling the 12 to them, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. It's cultural, okay? Two by two is not central to the gospel. Um, but every EE presentation, when we taught evangelism explosion years ago, we always sent you out two by two. And some people say, well, I can't, you know, I, I need another person. I want to no, that's, that was cultural. Jesus sent them out two by two. That's not a command for us to only do things two by two. Bill? Yeah, yeah. You can also put it back into the context of he's talking, calling the 12 and giving them instructions for what they were about to do. Number six, commands containing a truth principle which can be separated from the outward form of the principle is cultural. Okay, if a command containing a truth principle can be separated from the action that the principle is saying, okay, where a principle can be separated from the action, if the principle is taught elsewhere without the commanded action, it's going to be cultural. Um, if I can turn my page, I can give you an example. I've given you three down there. That holy kiss, okay? We've talked about that. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That was a, a command that Paul gave. But what's the principle behind it? Love one another, okay? Greet one another in a loving way. Love one another. And all the other times, I mean, that's the only time that greet one another with a holy kiss is mentioned. And so... What we want to focus in on is the principle behind it is love one another because that's mentioned throughout. Um, and, and, but the command of holy kiss was not the way to love one another. Um, wash one another's feet. What's the principle? Humility. Uh, again, that, the, the command was cultural, but the principle was humility. That there are other places where it teaches us to be humbled and, and even talks about communion without mentioning the feet washing. And service. Yes, humility and service, both there. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about worship in a, in a corporate setting where women are to wear veils. Is that cultural? I hope, because <laughs> we don't do it. <laughs> what's, the, what's the principle behind it? Worship and dignity. Worship, worship with, with a reverence. Um, and for them to cover their face was revering the one in whose presence they were in. 
And so women were, that was how the women did it then. Um, today, that, that would be cultural, but the reverence in worship still needs to exist. That's the principle behind, uh, you know, taking your shoes off uh, because you're on holy ground. Uh, you know, that, that was a, a cultural thing in many places still to this day to take shoes off when you enter worship. Uh, principle behind it is reverence, the understanding that you're on holy ground um, and to show that respect and that dignity. Number seven, commands which are based specifically and directly on the nature of God, that's always universal. If it, if it is a command that reflects the nature of God, it is for all people of all time. Ten commandments are that. They reflect the nature of God. Uh, Romans chapter 13, the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so those, those commandments are universal, all people, all times, because they reflect the very nature and character of God. Number eight, commands which deal with matters of morality. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God, which is actually a command not to be those things. Uh, and morality is a universal because where do morals come from? How do we know if something is right or wrong? You've taken the truth project. This is in here. This is pop quiz time. What makes something wrong? Because it goes against God's very nature. Uh, and so anything that goes against God's very nature is wrong. So these things, so, so understanding the nature of God, understanding who God is, helps us to define what is right and wrong and understand the commands. So any command that reflects the nature of God is universal for all people, all times uh, with that. So there is just a little grid, eight, eight things to kind of push a command through that we can better understand, is this a command for us or was this a command for them as we read? So that we make sure that we are obeying the commands of God because of the importance of doing that. I mean, we, we, that's how we show that we love him, knowing the commands and obeying them. So as I said, we're gonna start in this journey and we've got several commands that we're gonna look at um, under those categories of come, follow, think, love, forgive, fear not, and pray. Uh, is where we're going to go over the next, takes us right up to the end of April, is where we'll go. We'll end just before Mother's Day, somewhere in there, okay? Let me pray for you, and then we will be dismissed. Father, we thankful again that you are a God who loves us. You loves us, love us enough to, to give us those commands, to discipline us, uh, to help guide us so that our life might be uh, <clears throat> reflective of who you are, in a world that does not understand, in a world that makes commands with no authority, no reason, uh, no truth behind them many times. Father, your commands are not burdensome. That they are, are filled with truth and reality and knowing what is good for us. So Father, help us as we read scripture to pull those commands out. Give us the, the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill them, to live them out. Uh, that we might live such good lives that that others would see and praise you as well. And uh, Father, just in this week, would you bring those to mind as we go through life that why are we doing what we're doing? What would, what would you have us to do? We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.